Hi, this is VC in the podcast about venture capital and investment ecosystem in Central and Eastern Europe. You listen here to the interviews with startup investors and learn about their fund strategy, building investment portfolio, or tips about fundraising and pitching to investors. In today's episode, I'm talking with Isabella Bani, head of communication at Upper Ventures, Polish VC fund focused on deep tech sector. You'll learn why every single startup should focus more on communication, what VC ecosystem could do better about it, as well as some interesting statistics about deep tech sector in Poland. Good morning, Isabella. It is absolute pleasure to to have you here, and I'm super excited uh, about our conversations today. Uh, So without further ado, can you tell us a little bit uh, about yourself and your journey to to working in a VCE ecosystem in Poland? So uh, I am currently working with Upper Ventures. I am responsible for communication of both Fan and some of the portfolio companies. And how I ended up there is basically the story for an entire Polish startup ecosystem. Because just after my, my studies, after my university, I decided I really would like to work with data scientists. Uh, it seems to be a very hot topic. It was like this rise of AI back then. Mm, and when I started doing research, it was like, oh, actually, it's worth coming back to Poland because that's the place where really good data scientists are. And there is no point of actually staying in the UK just for the sake of working with big companies and like really well-known startups if like really good people are actually in Poland. So I ended up working with Neton. It's um, a very successful cybersecurity startup um, that has recently really showed what they can do. So that's where I started with startups. Then I moved on to Polish Development Fund in sort of like a golden age of Polish Development Fund when... They started financing VCs when they developed a lot of like startup educational program systems. I was responsible for for some of them. And then for a short period of time, I was working with the accelerator and program that was responsible for bringing foreign startups to Poland together with uh, with Huge Thing and SpeedUp Group. And after that, I ended up with Upper Ventures kind of working more closely with startups on the communication rather than like business strategies but basically i i did it all i did a startup i did a limited uh, um, limited partner then i ended up with accelerator to check how how it is from this side and then uh and then a vc so i could say i know it a little bit at least from each of the perspectives that should be known I see, I see. So you not only see both sides of the table, but also like a couple of different angles around the table. Uh, so uh, I'm pretty sure we'll get back to that uh, uh, that experience uh, in, in startups uh, later. But uh, can you tell us a little bit more about Upper Ventures and your fund strategy, who you're investing in and, and uh, at which stage? What are those companies? Ventures is one of few Polish funds that advance, that invest solely in deep tech and hardware. So these are only types of startups that we focus on. Uh, when it comes to hardware, we usually say it's around Series A kind of startups that already have like proper attraction. Um, they're actually more of uh, like going uh, international with deep techs. We invest very, very early on from basically teams that are just forming, having a solution 
like showing a, just a little bit of traction usually. Um, uh, it is a second fan of the same team. So Piotr Sławski, Jacek Boński, um, before that um, Bartek Składzień. Um, they have started, first of all, MetaFan, and since 2019, they invest as Upper Ventures together with a, um, Upper. The, they have started Upper Venture and investing together with um, Upper Angels. Uh, these are tickets usually raising from one to five million euros. Um, obviously, as a Polish, uh, as a fund uh, uh, financed mostly by a Polish Development Fund, we invest in Polish startups of the, or those that are interested in like developing serious operations in Poland. Uh, but we are doing this in co-investment models. So basically for each investment, we are searching for like uh, perfectly fitted co-investors that could support the startup either business-wise or operationally. Uh, so this is uh, our way of operating. So obviously younger companies, but with a very strong R&D and engineering team. I see. Do you prefer to be a, a leading investor in a round? It ended up that through the course of years, we end up almost every time to be a lead investor. So this is kind of the, the idea behind it. We are usually the ones searching for the companies, doing like first evaluations and then looking for, for co-investors rather than just being invited to, to investments. Yeah. I see. You said that you're investing in uh, deep tech. This is a quite a broad uh, term uh, and uh, everyone thinks uh, about it slightly different. So can you tell us uh, how you in, in Upper Ventures are looking at uh, uh, deep tech? What are those uh, must-haves and and maybe over the years uh, is is your definition of the term changing? You are you are a little bit more flexible than you used to be. So our definition is very straightforward. It, it's kind of like a, a tick box uh, that you can fill up when uh, we're evaluating if something is the deep tech startup. So basically there are two components, both um, focus on risk since we are in venture capital, so high risk business. First of all, if there is a technological risk, so if the solution can even be created, Mm, so we evaluate if it's just, you know, a, a small change that somebody is making or using the solutions that are already existent to simply rearrange the, the boxes, the blocks and uh, create the solution. So this is not a deep tech for us. If somebody is creating something brand new, making a huge change, like developing something from like straight coming from R&D. Um, so basically when the technological risk is higher than typical on the market, then uh, it is a deep tech startup for us if that usual startup business risk is also there. So obviously, like as it is with venture capital, with startups, there is always a higher business risk if the solution has a good market fit, if um, the market res will respond to said, um, to said company positively. Um, and uh, if there are those two things are there, so there is a business risk that is manageable and technological risk that can be addressed by, by the team, then we consider it a, a deep tech. And then when it comes to changes, it's funny that you're asking about it because recently I was evaluating one of the partners, uh, LinkedIn and, you know, his post. And in the past, we've been saying, no, no, we're not doing AI, like it's not for us. It was before like this whole AI summer that is happening right now, because 
even a year ago, like AI solutions were those, you know, is it really AI or is it just some good data evaluation? Like we, we weren't too sure about it. It was more like a software kind of solutions. Those days we do invest in a deep tech, in AI. Like we have announced one funding round for Cast and Vision back in uh, July. We will be soon announcing yet another one in AI robotics startup. So we have definitely switched to, yeah, we're okay with AI as long as it is connected to either hardware or like deep tech solutions and you're way more advanced than, you know, like typical, oh yeah, there is a cut on this picture of, or here you go, a, a rap song generated by, by AI. We're definitely doing a more like industrial version of, of AI. So this is definitely the switch that has happened through the years. I wouldn't say we are more flexible. It's more about us accommodating to like addressing really good solutions on the market that are still within the scope of our interests regarding uh, the current ticket, so the deep and hardware one. I see. Well, uh, I'm I'm doing a little bit uh, a bit of research about AI, so I definitely need to take a look at uh, at your portfolio and and more of the in industrial side of uh, AI. That's it's that's quite interesting. Now about like image recognition, but like real time, uh, kind of you know, um, being being able to scan moving objects and state if there are you know some. Uh, problems with them or if the production line should be stopped and so on. So it's a bit more about like real time evaluation of data rather than, you know, just uploading and asking questions. I see. Fantastic. So in my opinion, and I assume quite a lot of people uh, would agree with that deep tech and investing in early stage startups is an interesting co uh, combination. So are there any specific uh, areas that, that deep tech companies usually struggle at that super early stage that you as investors might, might help them? And of course, I'm not talking about just money for further research uh, and development because that's, that's the need of pretty much every company. Would say that, like judging from my experience in Neton and working with other startups uh, in the past, the the biggest difference is how little they know and understand about sales processes. Obviously, it, it is not you know nobody gets anything. It's not like that. Um, but there is definitely in many startups the struggle to understand that you need to build a unique value proposition that is not only about like better solution or cheaper solution. Sometimes it's about, you know, changing entire production line just to introduce a product from the deep tech startup, even though it would be financially beneficial, but the whole change and revolution that would need to happen, this is something that that is very difficult to persuade uh, companies to do. Um, and it's, it's no judgment here because deep tech companies, they really need to work with, you know, massive corporations with industrialized uh, plants so it is not that they need to get you know to a single user persuade him or her and then bam you get a client no it's like a b2b business but with like the most difficult clients i would say that really take a long time to make up their minds because they simply need to change their operation if they introduce the product that by startup uh, so, so this is something that is definitely very difficult. I don't say many 
many founders struggle at the beginning either to uh, start selling or hire people to do selling because they simply don't know what kind of competences they might be looking for. Uh, although there is example of our portfolio company at Payrun that has amazing sale team. They're really doing uh, the best they can to, to sell the really difficult product being a catalyst for Olaf and Metathesis. So they, they, here is an example of a founder who really gets how it's going, but I would say he's like a really good example of how it should be done. Uh, and uh, yeah, that, that, that's one of those things. Another thing is I would say since many of them are scientists, usually working with grants and um, kind of a dip, different type of financing, uh, they do struggle a little bit with like general corporate financing and how it should be done like operation-wise. Um, but here is the thing we can support them. We have a vast portfolio you know, of uh, accountants, uh, consultants and so on that can support them. So this is quite an easy problem to fix quite, uh, quite easily. And when we get engaged into a startup like the batteries, we support them, you know, basically around the clock with, with those kinds of operations. Mm, obviously, from my field, there is marketing um, because, you know, founders who are scientists, they usually get used to, you know, publishing, uh, like information, communication about what they're doing at the very, very end. So, you know, you're doing like this whole research, then you spend a few months writing it in like some academic papers, then you publish it. That's basically the only and first time when when you, you publish something, when you communicate your research with the world um, and some other conferences. And it is understandable because you don't want your uh, kind of research solution to be stolen and somebody f uh, to publish it first. Um, but obviously this is not how it works in marketing. You, like, you need to be very, very consistent for the whole pro process. So this is something where um, there is a little bit of skill lacking, but happily with me on board in Upper Ventures, we can, we can support startup here. Um, and I must say, like, I've been working with Upper for, for a year and I do see a lot of, of our portfolio companies changing it as well, like independently, like they see that they need to update their website. They need to get on board with communication. They do amazing marketing themselves, really interesting, actually materials. Obviously I'm a little bit of a geek, but I do love, you know, robotics company, like showing amazing video of their product, just, you know, shot by hand if they seem something interesting is happening so this is kind of a skill that is growing among fathers but there is definitely a thing that could be improved and I'm happy it's improving both within our portfolio and within the industry I see I see and I absolutely agree sales is completely different skill set that uh, many data scientists robotics experts uh, might be used to so so probably that's that's not necessarily something that uh, uh, that uh, they they feel comfortable uh, with at the very beginning so you as a head of uh, communication at uh, upper upper ventures like uh, I, I really need to ask this so what are the the common misconception about the communication in in startup ecosystem that you that you see and that you would uh, you would like to see less of or maybe something more of probably like those videos of robotics uh, uh, in in on LinkedIn or 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 websites. Uh, 
videos are great because you can really see kind of like passion and understanding when does where does unique value proposition actually lies and founders do get like a grasp of it they just can't put their fingers on it and it's amazing to see to see it in in those videos that oh yeah they, they get it like they do understand what's interesting about their solution so so well and they can communicate it it's simply uh they, they need a little bit of push or support on that mm, so uh so it's great to see and when it comes to mis um, misunderstandings regarding communication i would say one thing is obviously um that this this idea that the more you communicate the less time you have on like doing actual work and obviously in in you know extremely small team when there is just the founder um maybe like uh two three extra people who support him if you mainly doing communication obviously there is very little time for for everything else but usually deep tech startups in my experience these are like 10 15 20 people um because you ne really need a proper engineering team to to develop many solutions um so it is not that the only the founder is focused on like doing communication as it that is it used to be in the past in like software companies he or she has a lot of support so like this idea that oh if you communicate a lot you're just like talking bullshit because you have don't don't have time to to work this is not something that is happening anymore and frankly i have never observed it there is one thing like if your idea goes mainstream too much then maybe like an orange flag because those solutions are usually very difficult to understand uh journalists are not so keen on like explaining to people how does the science work so this is kind of an orange flag but it simply needs to be evaluated on like one like on uh, case base rather than you know oh that's that's simply how it is so i would say this is one thing another one is uh kind of this fear that they will be judged for unfinished solution um and why communicate something early on if it's not finished yet like if we don't know how it works or uh, like if if the market will like it and here is this issue that is coming straight from academia like you need to publish at the very end for like being judged to be reviewed by peers and so on in the, in communication like in business communication you really need to work a lot on who your audience is like what would you like for them to understand what is your message so it's not that we need to go with our communications straight to you know entire industry to be judged for our, for the solution we can start with investors and persuading why it's a growing market um, and worth paying attention to this particular solution uh, we can work with like smaller players or our competition even com uh, communication wise simply to build the industry to show that those solutions are growing so mm, these are kind of miscommunications that are like it is very clear where they're coming from like first of all this fear of being judged by unfinished solution and that basically entire academia is kind of about discussing oh no it's not really working this way and kind of this building arguments all the time and another one is about like this idea um that probably it would be better to uh, communicate less to show that we are really focused and we like doing the work so you need to simply find a balance 
and understand where the biases are coming from. Um, and then like working with deep tech founders is, is really great. And I frankly do enjoy it. It's a great lesson on like stakeholder theory and who should be addressed in what ways. So for communication, there is a lot of work to do because like basically every stakeholder has to get a different message because they wouldn't understand, probably they wouldn't even understand uh, if we would start informing investors about the science behind the solutions, especially in, in countries like Poland, when deep tech is not the most like popular ticket to have. I see. Uh, well, that that's another part of our conversation a little bit later. But uh, so when you speak with your new companies in, in portfolio and you see that, that like there is there is something that you could do together to to up the the communication. Is it easy to convince them that like in a longer uh, in a longer term this will be definitely beneficial? Uh, or or like what arguments you're using when you're talking with uh, with them? Do you use any like previous examples and how the companies uh, grew through the communication and how that? Uh, like using the phrase that I'm using like every time, uh, just when I'm seeing like this, like a little bit of fear in engineers of scientists when they hear about, oh yeah, we're doing communication, like even to announce a funding round, like I'm going to treat your science with so much respect. Like it's not that we're going to go for like a massive story, you know, like that's going to m misunderstood. Like I'm going to, to respect the science behind your solution. Uh, and I feel like this is working pretty well. Like they are kind of reassured that I do understand it's not only about, you know, likes and clicks. It's about like delivering actual story and fact. So this is usually useful. We also usually quite uh, start quite soft. So we're like funding round. This is something um, that is easy to, to communicate because it's obviously positive news. It usually ends up. Uh, being read by business and by other startups rather than just by, um, you know, uh, scientists. So this is like a soft launch of communication quite often. And what I'm usually using, it, like my process is I start with uh, some questions for the founders, like what are your goals, like which markets interest you, which countries interest you. Uh, do you have like anybody on the team that is already doing that because that's like a good starting point. So this allows me to like build like understanding of, of the company. Um, and obviously when somebody is more skeptical, I do use past examples. After all, you know, it, it's like quotes in the paper, in an academic paper. Like, hey, here is like stuff we've done, we've delivered, we've solved this problem. Here is how we're done. And it, it's not that uh, the company went under uh, after that. So they are kind of reassured. Um, but it's also different on like each, like in each startup, like in the batteries, I'm basically the only person responsible for communication in a pay run. I support like a really big sales team that has already been doing some communication themselves. So, um, in here it's, it's different with every startups, those that I am supporting, you know, with the funding rounds, we usually work very closely. Uh, on like the goals of the campaign, we pick the industry. They they are fully involved in like my working. So what kind of texts are delivered? What kind of data we're using, and so on. Um, and so far, we haven't had like anything bad happening with with our uh, communication and when it comes to funding rounds. And um, if they're easy to persuade, 
usually it is kind of like a condition put uh, by investors, not that they need to start communication, but for instance, that they need to focus more on sales. And obviously sales and communications are two independent things, but there is this like little subtle interlink that one can support another. Uh, so usually that's like a soft launch of sales, like we've started with communication. So uh, if they have like those condition about like further funding uh, by investors, they usually um, do agree to do some communication. Um, and I hope they think they're in good hands when they're working with me. So, uh, so that's definitely helpful. Okay, and follow-up uh, question on that, because you already mentioned uh, fundraising. Do you see that like that working on communication helps them uh, communicate uh, better with uh, with potential VCs when they're doing another follow-up uh, rounds to, to potentially help other people and investors uh, get a little bit of grasp of what, uh, what that startup is doing, how that technology is uh, is disrupting and and how uh, why it is uh it is worth to to invest in that uh in it, that it's a bit of difficult to answer this question because um since all the rounds we've been announcing has just happened within the past year usually there is like this two-year period before before the next funding round so it was difficult for us to assess if like speeding up communication will impact the actual funding round, but we do see that companies gain more interest uh, from from investors, from like general funding community. For instance, the batteries have been on the market since 2016 or since 2017, if I remember correctly. And in that time, there was some funding rounds, smaller or bigger, some grants, but only in the past year, we've gained actual interest from like international VC community, like we've been discussing with like really big fans, you know, about like uh, future support and so on. So there might be some early birds of that, but it is very difficult for me here to to state it with, you know, uh, some some support of numbers and statistics because it's simply too early to say. I really do hope so. Uh, usually when, um, when we discuss uh, like what kind of goals we have with founders, it is about kind of developing this funding story. So simply showing that, okay, it's not just a startup that, you know, is right now reaching to us and you have no idea about it, but you know, to show like there is this whole story and experience behind the founding team, behind the entire team, basically. How did they ended up with this particular idea, this, par this particular solution? Why are they solving this problem? So we do hope that by, even though it's a startup, it's been just developed, it's been on the market for, you know, two, three years, they, there is entire history behind it to reassure both, both clients and investors that the risk is actually smaller than they would like it to be. Because of your uh, your experience, you have the vision of both sides of the table. And uh, I have to ask, is there something that you would... Uh like to fix about communication in a VC ecosystem? Is there something that you see that uh, investors do a lot and they shouldn't, or they should do something uh, more often? Uh, like there's one thing that immediately comes to my mind. So communication about like the ticket, what they invest in. And like many VCs will say, but we do it. Like we do it so clearly, we say it all the time. 
but actually like when I do some research, I Google like v different VCs, I check their websites, I read the about us section about, you know, the state, the industry and so on. And then I check the portfolio and it doesn't match. And I am so confused. Like, has it changed recently? Like, uh, like what's the deal? We were this like, you know, founders they knew for a long time. And that's why they decide to invest in. So I would say kind of being very transparent, not only about the thing that you are currently investing, but the things that you, you did in the past. And like, even those little switches, there is this ongoing joke that, uh, VCs were investing in like software, like SaaS, then they turn into web three, then they did like AI, then for like uh, two weeks, they did superconductors recently and like they keep changing. And I would love to see more of like showing like those small differences. Like in the past, as a prevention, we clearly communicated, I don't know, we're not doing AI, but those days we even removed this phrase from our website. We improved our communication and very clearly say that if you have deep tech, apply. If you don't have deep tech, please don't. Like, we're not going to be a match. Mm. So I would say these are things that would be great to see. And probably from like a personal branding slash VC communication perspective, kind of stay showing the background and expertise of partners in VCs after all. When you, you get into the VC world, when you're seeking the investment from them, um, it is usually say that it's like a marriage. Like when you decide on a VC, it's like a marriage, like you're in a long-term relations, like you need to figure it out. There need to be benefits for, for both sides uh, and so on. So uh, usually founders, they are so focused on the fact that they need money. They don't do that much research on the fund and the found and the partners and so on. And I don't blame them, to be honest, because quite often VCs don't communicate very well on who the partners are, what they bring to the table and so on. So that would be great. I remember this, this story back from Polish Development Fund. Um, we had this workshop with Sunfish, so another kind of deep tech um, fund in Poland. Uh, they, they a bit less focused on that, but... And I remember Artur Kaczykowski was saying his life story, like how he used to be an entrepreneur, how he was setting up businesses, where he said what he can do and so on. So this is something very, very valuable. Like in our case, in Upper Ventures, we say that if you are not so sure about a VC, but you would like to get this kind of support money, you can work with us because here is the partner, Jacek Bronski, who's very good with angel investment. So for instance, like next stop for you, could be actually a big angel investors in if you're not so sure about the VC world. Last year, you and Upper Ventures released a map of a deep tech startup in the CE region. And even more recently, you re-examined it to, to discover the gender diversity in the funding team and on executive positions. And based on, on those findings, uh, you said that 26% uh, uh, Oh, in 26% of the startups in, in that, uh, that sector has women in leadership position or, or in funding teams. So it's already above the, the ecosystem average and even, uh, even better in, in the last five years, that number, uh, grew by 50%. So from your perspective, can you tell us? why deep tech is it's uh is the spearheading this it's like trade brazing this uh this trend 
why why it's uh, ahead of uh, of the other uh, sectors? Is it because uh, of the a lot of women in 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 Polish academia, or or there are other uh, reasons for that? Uh, that's a really good question. I mean, I was very surprisingly surprised that the amount in uh, boards of deep tech startups is like so high that it's uh, a bit higher or like equal depending on the data as like entire startup industry. Uh, I would say a bit of history has meaning here. So basically in Poland, um, more women had higher tertiary education than men for the past few years. So this is something that was definitely important. We have this like really long tradition of really good STEM uh, tertiary education it is not maybe so visible, you know, with big prizes, massive discoveries, Nobel prizes and so on, but it is good enough to innovate, to search solutions, to find like those like even cheaper production methods, something that is uh, many deep tech startups are focusing on. So rather than doing like something in an expensive way, there is a quicker, cheaper way to do it. So I would say like this, this background of Polish scientists in here is, is really good. Second of all, they are definitely quite frustrated with lack of money. So they do understand more money is in business rather than like strict academia. So even though they do rely, even in a startup world a lot, uh, in a startup world a lot on grants, they do like flirt even if they are in academia a little bit with business here and there. And those most... Um, the, the bravest one, maybe those who feel like there is really no no place for them in academia, they decide, okay, let's do uh, let's do the business, let's do startups. So I would say this is one thing. Another one is like in in VC world, deep tech VCs are professionalizing most quickly. I would say as well, like they really need to do like a proper due diligence either within the team or uh, using like uh, experts. So there is no like this, oh yeah, we're just pushing tons of money in your direction and that's it. And it is like actual proper conversation, proper evaluation of each idea. So I would say like it also shows scientists and say like female scientists, women that, okay, your evaluation will be uh, evaluated in the best way we can. Unfortunately, in Upper Ventures portfolio, we don't have any of those. We don't have any female founded deep tech startups yet, but I do keep my fingers crossed for founders and I do the support of them a lot outside of like my everyday duties as well. So I do hope soon we will end up with with a few of great female founders in, in our portfolio as well, just for the sake of having great solutions. Um, and I really hope like this pace of improvements, you know, like 50% increase within five years, that is something that will, will be kept uh, because it's definitely good for, for the industry, both like startup wise. And it's great to see uh, women in STEM is very inspiring after so many years of just thinking scientists, oh, it's probably a male, like it's, it's no more. Okay. Thank you for that. Uh, yeah, yeah, like that's that's some very good points, and I yeah, keep my fingers crossed for you uh, to have a, a company in in your portfolio with uh, with females found uh, founders uh, in in it. So we're getting close to the end, but twenty twenty two was a year of deep tech. Twenty twenty three will be probably year of uh, AI, but 
uh, but we're only halfway through it. So, uh, so let's let's still talk about what is currently happening. And uh, as per recent uh, reports from uh, Innovo and uh, Polish Development Fund, uh, the value of uh, investment on the Polish market is not even half of uh, what what it was uh, last year. Uh, and I know that last year we had a couple of uh, outliers, like uh, like 120 million around uh, by uh, ISAI. And uh, so my question here is like, it's 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 quite visible that the 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 hard times are not only coming; they're already here for for the startups. And do you? feel like uh otb uh like otb's uh, marching haker that uh deep tech startups are probably the best uh, uh sector to be in uh during the hard times or or do you think that like uh deep tech startups will will feel that uh uh that's that struggles uh, as well um, well, definitely the times are tough. Like, first of all, there is a, like economic crisis difficulties go happening like basically everywhere with with inflation, uh, just slowing down a little bit. Like it's increased slowing down a bit, mm, so it's tough. Second of all, there is a, like end of financing period by Polish Development Fund and mcbr so it's definitely like the feeling that oh the money is kind of finishing drying out but there is a bunch of funds including ours that is still very active and looking for investments so so i would say deep uh, deep tech startups shouldn't be that worried there's still money for them and frankly we we are in the middle of summer um, when are we talking? And I have a feeling like it was a really deep tech summer, not even AI summer, to be honest. Uh, like so many funds were announced, announced. Uh, so much money has ended up on the market for deep tech um, startups. Uh, the biggest rounds that has happened so far this year, I feel like are still deep tech rounds, to be honest. So uh, I, I do have a positive feeling, to be honest. And like when you look into statistics, just with deep tech in mind, then basically every quarter, deep tech investments are still a big part, like a significant part of like the whole investments happening. Like it's usually at least half of them are just deep tech and the rest are like, you know, different kinds of software, different kinds of industries. Uh, second of all, you can tell that even if the scientists failed with their first startup, they do become like second time founders and they do start yet another one. It is always a good mark because you never learn as fast as when you're running a startup. Uh, so this is like a really good message that, oh, the next startups that are coming from like this area are even better. We still see the interest from top deep tech fans, uh, European or even global wise in Poland. So uh, this is something that we are very happy as upper ventures because we obviously having uh, like list of really cool co-investors uh, coming in the future. Uh, so I would say this is one thing. And um, also the funding drop is much smaller than globally and in entire Europe. So basically I am optimistic. Like with all of those numbers, uh, seeing, you know, how well Pond is doing on the innovation scoreboard, like it was published in July and we are among top three countries, fastest growing. Obviously, we are still among the emerging innovators, so like the lowest 
the, 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 the group with the lowest innovation index, but we are growing so fast that we are very close to like leaving this group and uh, kind of leveling up. Uh, it, it, it's one of the highest uh, like growth in, in entire Europe together with Czechia and, and well, one of the Baltic countries. Uh, so I am optimistic, to be honest. Obviously, there is still a massive risk. We still see, you know, a little, a little bit of um, like this drop in activities from deep tech founders because they do fear a lot about the funding. But we do try to reassure them. We are actively searching, talking, and communicating with them. Hey, there is still place for you in, in our portfolios. So I would say. Uh, Rather than just reading the headlines, check the data that mm, the headlines are based on, then you will see actually quite a bit of like optimistic messages. I see, I see. And I'm, and I'm very happy to hear some optimistic uh, point of views. And yeah, like uh, Andresen Horowitz uh, recently investing in, uh, in Poland. So maybe, maybe more like foreign fund will be, will be coming to, to Poland seeing that we have, uh, uh, quite awesome startups, uh, rather than invest in only in, in the U S and, and Western Europe. I'm, I'm so to see that because like some of my favorite international VCs are discussing even with upper ventures. So first of all, I have a like fun girling moment, like all the time when they come into the office or we're having call with them, I'm like, oh my gosh, that's the fun I've been like observing for so long. So this is great. But obviously for entire industry, it's, it's great as well. I hope they also doing the fun girling moments uh, whenever they can. Fantastic, fantastic. So uh, at the very end, I got a couple of quick questions. And because uh, you are not per se part of the investment team in, in upper, upper venture, you're, you're focused on the, on the different part, but your previous, uh, experience, uh, uh, might, might help with that question. So I slightly, uh, change it. So in the past, uh, in, in any of the acceleration or education program, uh, is was there any any startup that you did not decide to take and was it a mistake and obviously i do not ask for the names it's more like uh the reasons why you didn't decide for for that specific it, it's funny that you're asking about it because like recently i've met a girl who was applying to one of polish development fund educational programs for founders and i think we've rejected her I don't remember it, unfortunately. I don't remember the reasons for that. But recently I've met her and she was saying, oh, like the fact that you rejected me made me like so motivated to prove you wrong that in the span of those three or four years when this happened, since that happened, she did so much. So on one hand, I do feel guilty that we haven't invited her to the program because she was definitely a very motivated girl. But on the other hand, like, you don't know if she would be like this, you know, kind of motivated to show that she was worth it if we haven't rejected her. So, uh, so that's it. But definitely there are some of stories like that. Like when we rejected like scientists or like marketing people or sales people that would definitely build a really good team. And later on, when I was like following up on these stories, they seem to be good, doing great. So it's always a shame not to have them like in the accelerator or educational program portfolio, because these were people who who would be great to to have on board as ambassadors even. 
Oh yeah, yeah. So success makes lazy people. So you 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 forbid the success, so they work harder. I like that. I like that. I broke. Great startups in both working with Polish Development Fund and accelerators. But you know, there is always this like FOMO. Like you you never know. Maybe that would be the startup that would make the accelerator even more famous, or would uh, help us gain more funding because the startup did so well. So there is this always what if, what if. But it's definitely a learning curve to to see like okay so what did we uh like what was the process like where we made a mistake not to invite this person since like they ended up being so successful i see i see well like hopefully there are like there are plenty more of those uh those people and uh, hopefully they don't hold grudges uh, and the next question, like, what will be the next uh, uh, Polish unicorn in your opinion? Fingers crossed for Booksy, to be honest. Like, it is one of those startups that I've been following for so, so long, and I do keep my fingers for, for the team. Uh, like, the marketing team uh, with, like, analytics is so great that I would love to keep learning from them, to be honest. So it would be great to learn from them, like, from the unicorn status perspective. And I obviously keep cross for our portfolio companies. So companies like Cast and Vision, the batteries, a Pyron refactory. Uh, I, I do hope they, they ended up among uh, the top, even if not the, you know, the global unicorn, the Polish unicorn, or as we say, the wild boar. So the company evaluated for like 1 billion waters rather than euros. So there is this ongoing joke in, in the industry from a few months ago that it's a gold wild boar when you end up a Polish unicorn. I didn't hear that. I need to keep that. You know, that, that's... Probably only got to us because, like, our upper ventures, it means, like, wild boar ventures in Latin. So we, we follow the news on those beautiful animals. That's that's absolutely, like, that, that that's great. I We we should definitely build, like, more uh, uh, more uh, marketing about, uh, around it. So 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 it, it becomes a... a, a status mark uh, already on the on the, on the market so yeah and the last question so what materials do you recommend uh, either reading watching or listening to if you want to learn more about uh, VC I would say definitely follow them very closely both partners and like actual venture on um, on LinkedIn that's like uh, a mine of knowledge uh, I would say like very basic sources like Sifted and startup um, startup.pfr.pl. This is like a really good source also to learn about like Polish ecosystem, like what's going on. These are places that I follow constantly. And like my small tip is uh, just apply to like follow newsletters. I don't even have like a proper recommendation in here. I do have some of my favorites like liquidity. Um, but it is more about like following newsletters that are close to your industry, even if they are not the best. Sometimes there are some like little gimmicks, um, that are worth reading about. And obviously that's a way to follow trends. So that's the easiest way because it's end up on your mailbox to, to see what's trending, like how to communicate everything and so on. And what I'm doing, I'm using not like Twitter, but tweet deck. So it's like you follow like columns with like different hashtag words and so on. And this is like amazing source of information, like what, where is discussion going? Like what are people 
uh, doubtful about or were they excited about. So those places are kind of a must-have for me when I'm like starting my day and publishing uh, like news or comments about the ecosystem. Fantastic, thank you. I need to write down to to download TwitDeck. And that's pretty much it. I would like to thank you, thank you so, so much uh, for, for sharing all that uh, knowledge uh, with us. And uh, like, I wish you all the best and uh, keep the fingers crossed that uh, soon we will see some female founders among uh, a portfolio in, in Hyperventures. That's everything in this episode. I hope you enjoy it and see you next time.